Hello there. Welcome to the Catholic Nerd Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Denton. I'm pretty excited to be finally uh, recording this podcast. It's been an idea that's been bounding in my head for quite some time. Uh, so I'm excited to to finally uh, speak into a microphone and, and get it done. Um, now, before I get into this week's movie, which is going to be Solo, A Star Wars Story, uh, since it's the very first podcast, I wanted to say a few brief things about why I think this podcast is a good idea and um, what kind of the goal is. And then I'm just going to have a short conversation about um, Solo. I'm going to keep this uh, podcast pretty short just so I can kind of test things out and make sure I can actually publish to iTunes and, and stuff like that before I spend uh, 20 minutes uh, and stuff, stuff, stuff like that uh, getting out to, y'all, to you guys. Um, so let, let's start talking about why I'm doing this. Why have I been thinking about this podcast for a while? Well, to me, I think every podcast starts where you you see something and you see there's a need for this in the community. And for me, I think there's a real absence of critical thinking about pop culture today, um, which to me really misses a tremendous opportunity to examine ourselves and our society. Pop culture, far more than movies that win Oscars or books that win uh, Nobel Prizes, uh, are going to be the source of the images, symbols, stories, and myths that we share with one another. They're how we relate to another. That's how we start thinking about the big issues in the world, even if we're doing so subconsciously. As such, I think it's vital that we talk about what these stories mean. What are these stories about? And what truths about the world are these stories trying to communicate with us? After all, these stories can inspire. They can also corrupt. This is a big idea in Catholicism, although it has waned as the battles with Hollywood have been waged. Drawing from Platonic thought, Catholic thinkers have long seen the transcendentals of truth, beauty, and goodness to be related to each other. That is, that which is good is true. That which is true is beautiful. And that which is beautiful is good. Great art then taps into what is true and can illustrate illustrate truths. Tolkien said that, quote, Myth and fairy story must, as all art, reflect and contain in solution elements of moral or religious truth or error, but not explicit, not of the known form of the primary real world. And that's what I hope to do in this podcast. I want to look at the myths and stories that we're telling and see the truths and errors being told and see what those truths and errors can mean for us and mean for our society. And hopefully that way we can reflect more clearly on what the story is telling us and maybe have the lessons hit home a little bit more and get more out of the pop culture that we're consuming so much of. Now, I did say I would be brief, and if I, so if I want this to be a good podcast, I have to stick to telling the truth, and don't I? <laughs> On to the movie, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Whilst people, people spent months speculating on what the title of Solo's predecessor, The Last Jedi, could mean, The announcement of the title Solo was met with a community-wide shrug. Having seen the movie, and by the way, all these podcasts are going to be spoiler-filled, so if you haven't seen the movie and want to be spoiler-free, now's your chance to head away. We realize that the name Solo means a lot more than we may have realized before we've seen the movie. Solo, after all, as we learn, is not Han's real name but a name given to him by the Empire when he enlisted. Han tells the recruiter that he has no family, no people. He left the abuse of Lady Proxima, 
who we are told in the opening specializes in runaways. We don't know much about Han's family, although Han does tell us later in the film that his father used to build ships like the Millennium Falcon. But while he looks lovingly at the ship, he tells Lando he and his father didn't get along. Having been separated from Kira at the border, Han feels alone. Yet this Han is very different from the one that we meet at the cantina in A New Hope. The smuggler who's waiting for a score and isn't looking for a friend and doesn't care too much about Luke Skywalker or the old man. Han spends most of this movie instead trying to get people to join him. He asks Chewie to join him in escaping. He begs Beckett multiple times to let him join Beckett's crew. And most of all, he tries to get Kira to run away from Crimson Dawn and be with him for pretty much the entire movie. This is in stark contrast to the rest of the characters that we meet. Beckett only sees other people as a means to his next score, and is perfectly fine betraying whomever he thinks will get him the payday that will allow him to be, quote, free. Kira consistently refuses Han's overtures while she awaits her opportunity to kill Dryden and rise in the ranks of the Crimson Dawn. Lando is fine bouncing from place to place, looking for a new mark. In the whole movie, there's only really only one other exception outside of Han, Chewbacca. Chewie tells Han that he's looking for his family and tribe, which, when we first hear it, we assume he means the, the rookies. And when Chewie does see other Wookiees, he immediately departs from the heist on Kessel to take care of his kind. And yet, by the end of the movie, he comes back to Han. And it's not because of the life debt as Legends materials had once assumed. At least not yet. There's plenty of speculation as to whether or not that life debt is coming. And we'll see. And it does have to come at some point since it's been put in some of the expanded universe stuff. But that's the perils of making movies and books that maybe are not communicating with one another. <laughs> as we know, Chewbacca eventually joins with Han for life maybe with the life debt, and he forms a family that ultimately frees the galaxy, the events of the sequel trilogy notwithstanding. So why does Han, excuse me, why does Chewie join up with Han if not for the life debt? I think it's not just because Han is looking for a family, but Han is also willing to sacrifice himself for Chewie. After all, Han risks himself to pull Chewie back in during the train heist. And then on Kessel, hands Chewie his only weapon to let Chewie, to make sure that Chewie is safe while he himself goes, runs deeper into the mines, risking himself. Finally, Han gives up the score to Enfys Nest to help her in her burgeoning rebellion against the Empire and the Syndicates. Sacrifice of self is the foundation of love and the foundation of family. The movie seems to be telling us, even a family as unconventional as a smooth-talking smuggler and a Wookiee. The movie ends with the shot of Han and Chewie hitting the Falcon into hyperspace. They found a family together and eventually find the rest of the Star Wars family that we've come to know and love. They've also found freedom, whereas the ones who eschewed family in order to preserve their freedom have not. Beckett is dead, and Kira is dutifully sailing a yacht that has been beautifully shot by the director like a prison off to the servitude of Maul. It's quite the reversal of most heist or, or most heist or western movies. 
genres from which this movie borrows generously. In those genres, the hero stays self-reliant and through himself achieves freedom. Whereas here, Han needs Chewie and Emphis Ness to get the freedom of the stars that he craves. It's a lesson our own culture, which thinks of freedom of the person and community or family as opposing ideas, could use. One last thing. The dice. We know that the dice are supposed to be important because we've seen it really prominently in The Last Jedi. And we've assumed from legend materials that that was the dice that Han used in the Sabat game to win the Millennium Falcon. But in this movie, the dice doesn't seem to have much of a role, if any, in the Sabat game. So what are the dice for? Well, and this is an idea that I've gotten a, a lot of input from Brian Young, who writes for StarWars.com and who podcasts for the Force of the Sith podcast. Uh, and, he, and he's pointed out that dice isn't just luck in Star Wars. After all, we've seen Qui-Gon use the Force to change the dice to pick Anakin to be the slave freed uh, in the bet with uh, Watto in the podcast race. Han thinks it's luck, but as Obi-Wan says, there's no such thing as luck. There is the Force. And the Force, especially in the more recent Disney films, has a will of its own. It can, quote, awaken, as Snoke said, and seemingly choose a scavenger as its vessel to restore peace to the galaxy. What seems to be a lucky coincidence can, in Star Wars, be a plan of the Force unfolding, very similar to how Christians can see the will of God unfold. While I certainly wouldn't say that the Force is a stand-in for the Christian God or Christian concepts of divinity, as there are many, many differences from the Force, which is, I think, primarily inspired by Buddhist thinking, the notion of the Force having similarities to God struck me as I thought about those dice. Han gives them to Kira on Corellia as a promise that he will return. Implicit in that is a hope, maybe even say a prayer, that she will be alive when he returns, and he hopes that luck, or the Force, keeps her safe. In that, the dice also serves as a symbol of Han's love for Kira. And yet, by the end of the movie, Kira has returned the dice to Han. Kira tells Han that, quote, if she knew what she had done, he wouldn't look at her like that. She assumes that if Han were to know of her history, of her sins, he would reject her. And so she rejects the dice, the symbol of Han's love and of the Force. How often do we, like Kira, assume that we are unworthy of love and so hand back the dice, rejecting the offers of love from both others and the divine? Indeed, Kira, having assumed herself unworthy of love, willingly sends herself back to the character in Star Wars that most closely resembles the devil, Maul. It's funny because when she betrays Han, Han is not surprised, he's not shocked, he's not angry. He just has a look on his face that just seems to me to be disappointed. I think Han knew exactly what Kira had had to do to survive in Crimson Dawn, and wouldn't have been the least bit surprised by any of her history. In fact, Han is a servant of the Empire, even having been kicked out of the Academy for a mind of his own, probably had done a whole lot of things that are similar to Kira that made him feel just as bad. But even assuming that Han was squeaky clean, I think he knew exactly what Kira had done. 
and he was still on that beach ready to love her. Beckett says earlier to Han to be prepared for everyone to betray you. Han rebuked this, rebukes this. He doesn't think everyone thinks like that. And in fact, that's how he's able to trick Beckett and Dryden at the end. Beckett and Kira think people are incapable of greater love, of sacrifice and forgiveness. And so by the end of the movie, they find themselves alone and either dead or slaves. Han, through his sacrifice, finds a family and freedom. And that's all that's going to that I have for this uh, short podcast. Uh, like I said, I just wanted to put something out there and test it and make sure I can get it out to iTunes and everything before I start up, uh, you know, making, making it much longer, Hope, hoping to have a podcast that are about 20 to 25 minutes long, since I think that's usually about what people's commutes are. And I think that's usually the, the place where people listen to podcasts. Um, so obviously this is the first episode. So I'm, Really looking for feedback as to what you guys uh, want from me and what I can do for you. Um, so if there's anything generally that you want the format, um, more than happy to take those suggestions. And if there's anything particular on Solo, I'll read those comments uh, on the next podcast. Now, where can you listen to this podcast or where can you send those comments? Um, two ways. I have an email address, catholicnerdpodcast at gmail.com. And I also have a Twitter account at Catholic NerdPod. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to getting some suggestions and feedback from you as I kind of develop this uh, as we go. Um, now, just to kind of tell you where we're going, I'm hoping that this podcast becomes a weekly affair once I make sure that it publishes on iTunes. I'm kind of hoping that it will publish every Sunday night, uh, schedule, schedule allowing, of course. Um, the next episode, I'm going to be discussing Infinity Wars, where I think there's a lot of real good conversation about um, sacrificing other people's lives for the greater good and a lot of uh, good theology and philosophy to dive into. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and the various feeds on iTunes and Stitcher and, uh, you know, rate us and comment and, you know, give us reviews because that all helps and get the ratings up and will help get this out to more people. So uh, thank you very much for giving this podcast a chance and um, have a good day.